Section 29 of The Notebooks of Samuel Butler. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Five Pack. The Notebooks of Samuel Butler. Edited by Henry Festing Jones. Chapter 22 Reconciliation. Religion. By religion, I mean a living sense that man proposes and God disposes, that we must watch and pray, that we enter not into temptation, that he who thinketh he standeth must take heed lest he fall, and the countless other like elementary maxims which a man must hold as he holds life itself if he is to be a man at all. If religion, then, is to be formulated and made tangible to the people, it can only be by means of symbols, counters, and analogies, more or less misleading, for no man professes to have got to the root of the matter, and to have seen the eternal underlying verity face to face. And, even though he could see it, he could not grip it, and hold it, and convey it to another who has not. Therefore, either these feelings must be left altogether unexpressed, and, if unexpressed, then soon undeveloped and atrophied, or they must be expressed by the help of images or idols, by the help of something not more actually true than a child's doll is to a child, but yet helpful to our weakness of understanding, as the doll, no doubt, gratifies and stimulates the motherly instinct in the child. Therefore, we ought not to cavil at the visible superstition and absurdity of much on which religion is made to rest, for the unknown can never be satisfactorily rendered into the known. To get the known from the unknown is to get something out of nothing, a thing which, though it is being done daily in every fraction of every second everywhere, is logically impossible of conception, and we can only think by logic. For what is not in logic is not in thought. So, that the attempt to symbolize the unknown is certain to involve inconsistencies and absurdities of all kinds, and it is childish to complain of their existence unless one is prepared to advocate the stifling of all religious sentiment, and this is like trying to stifle hunger or thirst. To be at all is to be religious, more or less. There never was any man who did not feel that behind this world, and above it, and about it, there is an unseen world, greater and more incomprehensible than anything he can conceive, and this feeling, so profound and so universal, needs expression. If expressed, it can only be so by the help of inconsistencies and errors. These, then, are not to be ordered impatiently out of court. They have grown up as the best guesses at truth that could be made at any given time, but they must become more or less obsolete as our knowledge of truth is enlarged. Things become known which were formerly unknown, and, though this brings us no nearer to ultimate universal truth, yet it shows us that many of our guesses were wrong. Everything that catches on to realism and naturalism, as much as Christianity does, must be affected by any profound modification in our views of realism and naturalism. God and Convenience I do not know, or care, whether the expression God, 
has scientific accuracy or no, nor yet whether it has theological value. I know nothing either of one or the other beyond looking upon the recognized exponents both of science and theology with equal distrust. But for convenience, I am sure that there is nothing like it. I mean for convenience of getting quickly at the right or wrong of a matter. While you are fumbling away with your political economy or your biblical precepts to know whether you shall let old Miss So-and-so have five shillings or no, another, who has just asked himself which would be more well-pleasing in the sight of God, will be told in a moment that he should give her, or not give her, the five shillings. As a general rule, she had better have the five shillings at once, but sometimes we must give God to understand that, though we should be very glad to do what he would have of us, if we reasonably could, yet the present is one of those occasions on which we must decline to do so. The world. Even the world, so mundane as it is, still holds instinctively, and as a matter of faith unquestionable, that those who have died by the altar are worthier than those who have lived by it, when to die was duty. Blasphemy. I begin to understand now what Christ meant when he said that blasphemy against the Holy Ghost was unforgivable, while speaking against the Son of Man might be forgiven. He must have meant that a man may be pardoned for being unable to believe in the Christian mythology, but that if he made light of that spirit which the common conscience of all men, whatever their particular creed, recognizes as divine, there was no hope for him, no more there is. Gaining one's point. It is not he who gains the exact point in dispute, who scores most in controversy, but he who has shown the most forbearance and the better temper. The voice of common sense. It is this, and not the voice of the Lord, which maketh men to be of one mind in an house. But then, the voice of the Lord is the voice of common sense, which is shared by all that is. Amindes Anabalis There is hardly an offense so great, but if it be frankly apologized for, it is easily both forgiven and forgotten. There is hardly an offense so small, but it rankles if he who has committed it does not express proportionate regret. Expressions of regret help genuine regret, and induce amendment of life, much as digging a channel helps water to flow, though it does not make the water. If a man refuses to make them, and habitually indulges his own selfishness at the expense of what is due to other people, he is no better than a drunkard or a debauchee, and I have no more respect for him than I have for the others. We all like to forgive. And we all love best not those who offend us least, nor those who have done most for us, but those who make it most easy for us to forgive them. So, a man may lose both his legs and live for years in health if the amputation has been clean and skillful, whereas a pea in his boot may set up irritation which must last as long as the pea is there, and may in the end kill him. Forgiveness and Retribution it is no part of the bargain that we are never to commit trespasses. The bargain is that if we would be forgiven, we must forgive them that trespass against us. 
nor again is it part of the bargain that we are to let a man hobnob with us when we know him to be a thorough blackguard, merely on the plea that, unless we do so, we shall not be forgiving him his trespasses. No hard and fast rule can be laid down. Each case must be settled instinctively as it arises. As a sinner, I am interested in the principle of forgiveness, as sinned against, in that of retribution. I have what is to me a considerable vested interest in both these principles, but I should say I had more in forgiveness than in retribution, and so it probably is with most people, or we should have had a clause in the Lord's Prayer, and pay out those who have sinned against us as they whom we have sinned against generally pay us out. Inaccuracy I am not sure that I do not begin to like the correction of a mistake, even when it involves my having shown much ignorance and stupidity, as well as I like hitting on a new idea. It does comfort one, so to be able to feel sure that one knows how to tumble, and how to retreat promptly and without chagrin. Being bowled over in inaccuracy, when I have tried to verify, makes me careful. But if I have not tried to verify, and then turn out wrong, this, if I find it out, upsets me very much and I pray that I may be found out whenever I do it. Jutland and Waiti I made a mistake in the authoress of the Odyssey, in a note on page 31, when I said, Sharia means Jutland, a piece of land jutting out into the sea. Jutland means the land of the Jutes. And I made a mistake in Alps and Sanctuaries, chapter 3, speaking of the peasants in the Val Leventina, knowing English, when I said, one English word has become universally adopted by the Tikinesi themselves. They say, waiti, just as we say, wait, to stop someone from going away. It is aberrant to them to end a word with a consonant, so they have added e, but there can be no doubt about the origin of the word. The Avocato Negri of Casale Monferrato says that they have a word in their dialetto which, if ever written, would appear as voiti. It means stop or look here, and is used to attract attention. This, or something like it, no doubt is what they really say, and has no more to do with waiting than Jutland has to do with jutting. The Parables The people do not act reasonably in a single instance. The sower was a bad sower. The shepherd, who left his ninety and nine sheep in the wilderness, was a foolish shepherd. The husbandman, who would not have his corn weeded, was no farmer. And so on. None of them go nearly on all fours. They halt so much as to have neither literary nor moral value to any but slipshod thinkers. Granted, but are we not all slipshod thinkers? The Irreligion of Orthodoxy We do not fall foul of Christians for their religion but for what we hold to be their want of religion, for the low views they take of God and of his glory, and for the unworthiness with which they try to serve him. Society and Christianity The burden of society is really a very light one. She does not require us to believe the Christian religion. She has very vague ideas as to what the Christian religion is, much less does she require us to practice it. She is quite satisfied if we do not obtrude our disbelief in it in an offensive manner. Surely this is no very grievous burden. Sanctified by Faith 
No matter how great a fraud a thing may have been or be, if it has passed through many minds, an aroma of life attaches to it, and it must be handled with a certain reverence. A thing or a thought becomes hollowed if it has been long and strongly believed in, for veneration, after a time, seems to get into the thing venerated. Look at Delphi, fraud of frauds yet sanctified by centuries of hope and fear and faith. If greater knowledge shows Christianity to have been founded upon error, still greater knowledge shows that it was aiming at a truth. Ourselves and the clergy. As regards the best of the clergy, whether English or foreign, I feel that they, and we, mean in substance the same thing, and that the difference is only about the way this thing should be put, and the evidence on which it should be considered to rest. We say that they jeopardize the acceptance of principles, which they, and we alike, cordially regard as fundamental, by basing them on assertions which a little investigation shows to be untenable. They reply that by declaring the assertions to be untenable, we jeopardize the principles. We answer that this is not so, and that moreover we can find better, safer, and more obvious assertions on which to base them. The Rules of Life Whether it is right to say that one believes in God and Christianity, without intending what one knows the hearer intends one to intend, depends on how much, or how little, the hearer can understand. Life is not an exact science, it is an art. Just as the contention, excellent so far as it goes, that each is to do what is right in his own eyes leads, when ridden to death, to anarchy and chaos, so the contention that every one should be either self-effacing or truthful to the bitter end reduces life to an absurdity. If we seek real rather than technical truth, it is more true to be considerately untruthful within limits than to be inconsiderately truthful without them. What the limits are, we generally know, but cannot say. There is an unbridgeable chasm between thought and words that we must jump as best we can, and it is just here that the two hitch on to one another. The higher rules of life transcend the sphere of language. They cannot be gotten by speech. Neither shall logic be weighed for the price thereof. They have their being in the fear of the Lord, and in the departing from evil, without even knowing in words what the Lord is, nor the fear of the Lord, nor yet evil. Common straightforwardness and kindliness are the highest points that man or woman can reach. But they should no more be made matters of conversation than should the lowest vices. Extremes meet here, as elsewhere, and the extremes of vice and virtue are alike common and unmentionable. There is nothing for it but a very humble hope that from the great unknown source our daily insight and our daily strength may be given us with our daily bread. And what is this but Christianity? whether we believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead or not, so that Christianity is like a man's soul. He who finds may lose it, and he who loses may find it. If, then, a man may be a Christian while believing himself hostile to all that some consider most essential in Christianity, may he not also be a free thinker, in the common use of the word, while believing himself hostile to free thought?
End of section twenty nine. Recording by five pack.